Hi friends, it's celebration week. I'm not sure you know this, but this week has unfolded as one of the busiest weeks of the year when it comes to celebration in the Ulta family. Not only is the podcast turning one this week, today is my wedding anniversary to Matthew Ray Oltoff. Not only that, but our home church, the Father's House Orange County, is turning three this week. I'm telling you, we are in for some great surprises. In light of my anniversary and the keeping of our wedding vows for 11 years, I'm going to be making a vow to you. In this episode of the podcast, my dear podcast friends, I intend on keeping my vow to you in this show in the way that I've kept my marital vows to Matthew Ray Oltoff. I promise to love and lead with full honesty. I cherish our time together and commit to giving this episode all of my love and affection. For richer or poor, I will create content that will instruct, guide, and inspire. In sickness and in health, I will record content that will make us love each other more, or at least commit to loving each other even when we disagree. Do you, podcast listener, take me, Bianca Wattis Oltoff, as your podcast friend? If you agree, say, we're going there. I hope you did, because I'm saying it. We're going there. I now pronounce us podcast friends for life. As we roll this episode, I'll admit that I had some reservations. Here's the hard part about retrospective memories. When we look at our life in retrospect, especially around the idea of celebration, we have a tendency to focus on what is shiny and bright and perfect and pretty rather than what is real and raw and in some parts of life, dull. Marriage is a beautiful, sacred bond between two people who commit to love each other until death do they part. But it's the everything in between that makes marriage hard while trying to keep our hearts soft. It's the dance between the bitter and the sweet. Today, I celebrate 11 years of being married to Matthew. The hard part about recording this episode is to be prone to focus on only the good things. So I'm making a commitment to be 100% real and honest. Talking about marriage was one of the things I swore I would never talk about, especially in the beginning years of marriage, because it was so sacred, it was so private, and quite honestly, it was so scary. In fact, the first three years of our marriage were so hard that I suffered in silence because I never really heard people talking about the private reality and pain within marriage until they filed for a very public divorce. Layer all of this with the advance of social media right around the time when we got married and the pressure to make everything picture perfect, literally. I had felt so isolated in my pain of marriage and I had no one to talk to. When I say it was bad, friends, it was bad. Like so bad that even my parents began to see a change in me. My dad had hinted around the topic of annulment while never really coming out and addressing it. But one specific day, I remember my father pulled me into his office and asked me, are you okay? And that was just a few months after we had gotten married. I didn't know what to say. So I told him, you know, life was so hard. He knew, as good fathers do, that it was far more painful than I was letting on to. So please know that the episode today isn't going to be three tips or five easy ways or seven steps for a better marriage because I don't have that for you. What I will tell you is that our marriage has never been easy, but one thing we are really good at and so proud of, we just don't quit. We made a vow not to speak of the word divorce in our house when it came to our relationship, as in the word would never be said anywhere near our relationship. In 11 years, there has been only one time that this actually happened, and it led me to turning into a scorned woman, which hell hath no fury to compare. Matt was trying to break through a conversation that we were having, and the conversation turned into an argument, and it turned into tears, and he was really trying to get to the heart of the issue and break down a communication barrier, and out of desperation and frustration and exhaustion, he said, if you're so upset with me then, why don't you just divorce me? 
<laughs> friends. Something like rays of fire came shooting out of my eyes and a voice that had been slumbering in my bowels for years that I didn't even know existed roared out of me and I said, we are never getting divorced. You are stuck with me for life. I'm not even kidding you, friends. I was screaming that. I proudly say that five years after that incident, we're still here. And today we celebrate 11 years of not quitting on each other. We are definitely not doing a marriage seminar or desiring to be marriage coaches anytime soon or ever. So though we can't offer any slick or sassy marketing messages to fix your marriage, we can share personal learnings that we've had and that have strengthened our marriage and commitment. Interspersed in some of the learnings that we've had over the last decade, I will have Matt share some stories from real life experiences and blunders to help us talk through about what marriage takes for us and how it might help you on your journey. If you are not married, take a listen and learn from our stupidity. Lesson number one, seek to know your spouse. In the dating period, we have a tendency to view the person we're dating as some like unknown species. We try to discover their attributes, their body movements, their language, their diets, their ecosystem for survival. But then we get married. And the tendency is to think that this species that you've captured remains in stasis, as in they don't change. But we are ever-evolving creatures with likes and dislikes, and we need to constantly be learning about the person we share a bed with. Now, in our marriage, Matt is the internal processor. I've discovered that he will rarely volunteer information or express emotions without a gentle nudge or a long conversation that will try to pry it out of him. I want to know him more, so I've invented these games, if you will, or these dream sessions to try to understand what is going on in that pretty little head of his. This usually happens on vacation or over a long dinner with a glass of wine, but I ask him three following questions. If we don't have time, it's usually just one to get to his heart. But if we do have time, I ask these questions with regularity because he changes as much as I do. The first question is, if you could move anywhere, where would you want to move and why? Okay, I know that feels basic, but bear with me. What you are doing by asking this question is you're getting to the dream center of your spouse. You're giving them permission to momentarily escape the current reality and dream of a future that actually could be built. Question number two. If you could pick three dream jobs to do right now, what would they be? Finding out the answer to this question gives you a sneak peek into the heart and the possibility of new dreams that could be a reality. So let's put this into regular context. About six years ago, I asked Matt this question and he said that he would love to work with European football clubs. And I know for those in North America, you're like, what is football? I'm not talking about American football. I'm talking about soccer. Um, but he had this dream of reaching out to some European football clubs to partner with the clubs and to see what sort of local community outreach they could do to impact the community. That didn't actually sound too hard for me. And so we devised a plan. Uh, Matt looked for the email addresses and contact information to write emails and letters to, oh gosh, I think it was over 25 football clubs in Europe, asking them what they were doing to meet the community need. And guess what? About 17 of the clubs actually responded. Though there were no jobs that came out of this or were there jobs available for people to hire, Matt learned so much about this process. And he grew in being able to dream yet again. But when he randomly, coincidentally, serendipitously, providentially had a chance to meet the president of the LA Galaxy Soccer Club, guess what? Matt had knowledge and ideas about what community impact looked like. And lo and behold, the president of the LA Galaxy Club wanted to do community outreach. 
So he was able to partner with them on this outreach and had players put on clinics in local spots and even across the border in Mexico to host clinics for at-risk and low-income youth. Yes, Matt's dream looked different, but his dream became a reality. What if I told you that the idea of you can be anything you want to be isn't totally true? In their new book, On Purpose, Discover Your Calling and Create the Life You Were Meant to Live, Dr. Stephanie Shackelford and Bill Denzel break down common myths about calling to reveal the truth. Instead of you could be anything you want to be, they show that your context shapes your calling. With intentionality and for his purposes, God has placed you in a specific location, situation, and time in history. If you need a way forward through a career change or trying to discern any career at all, you can pick up your copy of On Purpose. When you pre-order before September 28th, you can claim pre-order bonuses that include a free audiobook of You On Purpose, a group discussion guide, and more. Pre-order the book from Amazon or wherever you get your books. Then head to barna.com backslash you on purpose to claim your pre-order bonuses. The third and final question is a simple one and one that we practice with regularity. Share three things that you love about your spouse. In the hustle and bustle of everyday life, we don't take time to identify or honor each other in the way that we should. Take time to make time and remember why you love your partner. I asked Matt to practice publicly what we do privately. Here's his answers. I think you have this energy and spiciness to you that sometimes is a, is a blessing and a curse, but most of the time it's a blessing for most situations. You walk into a room and you know you bring an energy to it. You bring a, a just excitement to it. And I think that'd be... The first one, second one is uh, your beauty. I think just, I mean, that's the first one is a little bit more internal. I think externally, just who you are and just your smile lights up a room, your presence lights up a room. And I think the last one I would say, uh, if I only can pick three, is just your heart for Jesus. And just, I think even in the midst of circumstances, you pursue him at all costs. And uh, you just, in terms of spending time with him, I think you're very incredibly disciplined at how much you spend time with him, just journaling, praying. And that's just really, really exciting just to see you do. Matt is intuitive, and though he doesn't have a checklist or dream activities for me, he does know me very well. We're actually going to recount a time of when Matt proved that he knew me so well, he found me in a city of 9 million people when I tried to run away from him because he was so mean to me and I wanted to prove him a lesson. This is what your life would look like without me. I think you have to talk about like what happens when you argue because you wear your emotions on your sleeve. You're very emotional. Um, you're very spicy. I'm the salty chip. So it's all, you know, it's all good, but like, and I'm very calm and like level-headed and stoic. And so like when you, I don't even remember what you're arguing about, but you just all of a sudden the emotions kick in and you're like, fine, whatever. And you're like, just, it kind of probably was a small thing, you know, that we were arguing about, but it's like, it becomes this big thing. And all of a sudden, boom, it goes up and you're just like, I'm out of here. And you literally turn and we were standing outside the some pub and you, we literally turn and, and you walked out and I was like, okay, fine. I'm just going, I'm going to go to the hotel. And I remember sitting in the hotel and I'm like, I probably should go make sure she's okay. I would, would not want her to not be okay. And so I'm like, where would she go? And I'm like, oh, I'm just sitting there and she loves Thai food. So I'm like, she would go get Thai food. She'd probably get on the subway. Cause that's fun. So literally like one stop away, there you are eating Thai food there. And I just, and I found you. The second learning lesson is simple in principle, but hard in practice. If you're taking note, write down, be grateful for your spouse. I know this all seems very trite, but bear with me. Over time, we can grow numb or dismiss the fact that someone has chosen to spend their life with you, to build dreams with you, and to create a family with you. No one walks into marriage and says, I can't wait to lose my appreciation for you and take your love for granted. No. No tree suddenly falls, no foundation suddenly cracks, no marriage suddenly ends. It is a slow and sometimes unobvious division that takes place. 
pre-COVID and quarantine, I was really proud of the progress that Matt and I had made in our marriage. Compared to where we were the first three years of marriage to where we were at like year nine, year 10. I mean, we were very proud. If you were to ask me if I thought our marriage was solid pre-pandemic, I would unabashedly say yes. I would go as far as saying that I would rate our marriage an 8.75. As in, you know, room for growth, but overall very strong. However, we were in for a rude awakening. So much of our life was built on a routine that involved travel, time apart, and tight schedules that moved at military precision. If we had a tiff or a disagreement or argument, it was fine because we had space to deal with it and it gave us places that we can cool off and we even had space to miss each other. If we got annoyed or we were up in each other's business, we had time and space to process whether it was in office spaces, in hotel rooms, or even in airplanes. But during quarantine, it was all gone. We began to see how poor our conflict resolution skills were and how we really had taken each other for granted. I didn't realize how important this learning lesson was until this week. I hate to admit it, but I so often just forget or take for granted the fact that Matt is a good man who works so hard for the church and so hard for this family and is incredibly committed to me. Now, do I wish he did some things differently? Do I wish he loved me differently? Do I wish he bought me more handbags? Sure. But in light of loss, my perspective has really shifted. This past Saturday, I was at my son's football game. And as we were driving home, we got a phone call around 11 p.m. from a dear friend, Shavilla Martin. Shavilla has been part of the Father's House for the last year, and she's been an active member and leader. She oversees our Sunday prayer team and is on daily prayer calls at 7 a.m. She is a mighty woman of God. She and her husband have been married for over 25 years, and they both came down with horrible cases of COVID. Sadly, his case grew worse and worse and was admitted into the ICU and intubated for 17 days. Unable to be near her husband, Shavilla would speak to him over FaceTime and pray over his lifeless body being kept alive by machines. We prayed for her as a church. We faithfully prayed every day as he was in the hospital. We stood in faith with Shavilla and we believed that her husband was going to make a full recovery. We were interceding and praying. But on Saturday, we got a call that Fonte Martin went to be with Jesus. I listened as Mama Shavilla wept and wailed for her husband. We prayed for her. Both Matt and I bonded over this ache and this loss. It was such a painful moment. That night, just a couple days ago, I climbed into my bed and I wrapped my arm and my leg to intertwine with Matt and I just cried. I cried over the loss of Fonte, but I cried over how I had taken my husband for granted. Since the passing of Fonte, I have diligently thanked God for my husband. And so Matthew, today, I'm gonna practice what I preach And I'm going to document it here with the three things that I love about you. One, I love how fiercely protective you are over your people. I know that if I was ever abducted or trafficked, like in the movie Taken, you would be Liam Neeson and you would find me and kill anyone who would hurt me. Your savagery makes me feel safe and I'm honored to call you mine. Number two, I love you because you remind me every day that I'm called and capable of this. I am capable of my calling. And lastly, I love you because you won't give up on us. My favorite phrase that you've been saying lately really does make me feel cherished and loved. When you say, what can I do to love you better today? It inspires me to do the same. I want to love you more and I pray we can do that together. This leads me into my last learning lesson that I want to share. Think of your spouse over yourself. 
This one feels like death, like absolute death. But on our anniversary, I want to share that this is the secret glue of our marriage. When Matt said that he felt God calling him to go back to school to get his PhD, I have to tell you, I was not very happy. But I wanted to always place my spouse over my desires and really trust him that if he was hearing from God, I wanted to be someone to support him. I think what made me want to get my PhD was that there, we just felt like there's God, like as we're planting the church, that God was doing things that were unique in, in TFHOC in terms of how his spirit was moving. And I felt like uh, for me personally, I just needed more understanding on it and just kind of language around it and really wanted to be able to, I, I enjoy having knowledge to be able to stand confidently. So we were in Israel, I think it was like 2019. And I remember just hearing God's voice like, go back to school. And I, and I didn't know what that meant. I mean, I knew it was kind of this program I was looking at. And I remember like coming back and I shared it with you a little bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is how I heard God's voice. And you're like, and I think oftentimes we do is we're excited about different things for each other and we share each other's dreams is that we end up popping balloons along the way. And so we're, the other person's not as excited about it. And I think for, especially for you, you respond a lot with emotions first, like, no, we can't do that. We have these things. And, and I'm more like kind of pace myself in there. And so I remember just sharing it. And then I, you know, I think one of the things you process with how you hear God's voice, not only for yourself, but you hear your God's, God's voice for like a couple, a marriage couple, is it takes time to kind of process that together. And God speaks in the midst of that. And you're trusting that God's speaking to that person and you. And and I remember, you know, you not being as excited about it. But then I think just processed a little bit. And for me and hearing God's voice, like it didn't go away. So it came back like maybe three or four months later, I brought it up to you again. We processed it a little bit more. It didn't go away again. Kate brought it back up. And so we just kept processing. And actually, I... I literally, I think I said yes to the program the day after was after the last day you could say yes to the program. So I literally dragged my feet out for the last the last piece of it. Yeah, and I just feel like that it's just what God's doing in, in TFH and what God's doing in us in terms of just His Spirit. I just felt like it was a program that we need to be a part of or I need to be a part of and have some understanding and language as we get to teach people and what's happening. And for, you know, just kind of long-term for for me personally, uh, love teaching, what's at, what's next after church planning. I love that side of it as, as I'm kind of just really working with people in, in becoming all of who God wants them to be. Honestly, we have so much in life going on right now that the idea of him having less time to spend with me really made me sad. And what we figured out in counseling is that it's not that I didn't want him to do the program. I just felt like it was gonna be less time with me. Now, I didn't shoot down the idea immediately, but I secretly hoped that it, maybe he would change his mind or the desire would die off. But like he mentioned, for several months, he prayed and continued to feel like God was nudging him to get his doctorate in pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. We met with our counselor and discussed all the pros and cons about him entering in this program. And after I voiced my concerns, I then told him that this was clearly important to him. And if God was nudging him, I wanted to fully support him. In that moment, I had to think of him and his calling over my preferences or even concerns. I'm proud to say that I've eavesdropped on his lectures, proofread all his papers, and even have read one of his textbooks for school. I'm so proud of him and it is my honor to make sacrifices for him. But the beauty about our marriage is that we really fight for equality. We want both of us to feel like we are for each other. So as I wrap up this podcast, I want to celebrate and honor my husband. And I'm excited to say that on this day of our anniversary, September 7th, I'm on my way to a three-day cohort to study under three amazing Bible teachers and preachers in Portland, Oregon. Yes, it's our anniversary. But Matt said he knew how much this mastermind would mean to me and how insecure I've been in my lack of formal biblical training and education. He encouraged me to go. He released me to go and he covered it. Why? Because a good marriage requires that you think of your spouse over yourself. 
Today, I celebrate 11 years with my husband, Matthew Ray Oltoff, and my commitment to him is to love him, to cherish him, to think of him over myself, to not take him for granted and be grateful for him, and to constantly learn the new aspects that God is revealing in him. Thanks for being part of the show, friends. I'm excited for tomorrow's episode.